Welcome to the WebMD Health Discovered Podcast. I'm Dr. Neha Bhattab, WebMD's Chief Physician Editor for Health and Lifestyle Medicine. In January, many people choose to voluntarily stop drinking alcohol after potential excesses during the holiday season. We may do this to start the new year sober, clear, refreshed, and a little bit healthier. You've probably heard the term dry January, and you may have experimented with it yourself. As January comes to an end, we thought it would be important to build on the momentum that so many of us have created this month by taking this pause in consuming alcohol. Today, we'll explore our relationship with alcohol, mindful drinking, and what it means to be sober curious. First, I want to clarify that in this episode, we're not talking about substance use disorder. Sober curious is a term that we use to describe people who are interested in exploring a lifestyle that avoids or decreases alcohol. Alcohol addiction, on the other hand, is a chronic disease that may result in negative health and other types of consequences. So with that clarification, we're taking a look at what it means to practice mindful drinking and how it sets the stage for a healthier relationship with alcohol. We're going to ask some important questions, like what does it mean to explore our relationship with alcohol? Does a desire to minimize our alcohol consumption automatically mean that we have a problem with alcohol? How does shifting our drinking habits impact our health? How do we identify and maintain our boundaries when it comes to navigating drinking culture? Here to guide us through this topic is Amanda E. White. Amanda is a licensed professional counselor and the owner of Therapy for Women Center, author of Not Drinking Tonight, and creator of the popular Instagram account at Therapy for Women. Welcome to the WebMD Health Discovered podcast, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me. So excited to talk to you today. But before we jump into my questions, I'd love to ask about your health discovery. What was your aha moment around alcohol, alcohol consumption, and thoughts you had on shifting or changing your relationship with alcohol? Yeah, absolutely. So I probably drank pretty normally in college, like a lot of my friends did, but I also struggled with some food issues and eating disorder throughout that time. And as I was trying to work on my eating disorder and also just navigating that post-college time period in my life, I started really discovering how unhealthy of a relationship with alcohol that I had. And I was pretty resistant to looking at that. Thankfully, I had a really great therapist at the time who gave me a challenge to take some time off from drinking. But really, the aha moment came from me when I discovered that it was going to be really difficult for me to live a life that was in alignment with my values, that involved staying in recovery and my eating disorder if I kept drinking. Because while I didn't always binge drink or I didn't always have a problem when I drank, when there were issues that happened, I was always drinking. And I started realizing that alcohol was the common denominator. Thanks so much for sharing that. So I think that kind of leads me into the first question, just in terms of differentiating problem drinking, substance use disorder versus someone who might be listening who feels that they're sober curious or wants to try mindful drinking. 
Can you help us differentiate between these terms? Yeah, absolutely. So often if there's a substance use disorder, there's often some component of dependence. It may not be a physical dependence, but it often may be an emotional dependence or a feeling of, I need this in my life to function. Even if I'm not drinking every single day, it's something that I really rely on. When we're talking about a disorder, it's often something that someone just can't stop doing necessarily. Again, it may be that mental component, but it's something that they feel trapped with or it's something that also maybe really causing harm in certain areas of their life, whether that's relationships with their partner, their family, their work, all the way up to more of the standard issues we think about, which are DUIs, legal issues, physical dependence, or something like that. So it's definitely a spectrum where if we're talking about mindful drinking or someone who just wants to cut back or look at their alcohol use, I really think the problem is, is we often talk about alcohol use in terms of, is this bad enough that I need to stop drinking or cut back? And I think the more pertinent question is, is alcohol positively impacting my life? Is this good enough to keep doing in this way? Because I think if we're always coming from, it's not bad enough, it really leads down this path of it having to get worse and worse and worse. And it's this reaction to something rather than to me, almost every other relationship in our life or, you know, as a therapist, I talk to people about things like their sleep habits, their relationship habits, and everything is through the lens of, is this working for you? And alcohol is one of the only things where we say everyone should drink. And if you can't drink only when it's not working for you, do you need to stop rather than I think we can be a lot less reactive and a lot more proactive. So I'd love to jump into some of those because I think often that's when people start reexamining their relationship, when they start noticing that, hey, those nights that I don't drink alcohol, I sleep better. Or the nights that I don't drink alcohol, I wake up refreshed. So can you talk us through some of those experiences and some of those health benefits potentially of pulling back? Yeah. And it's interesting in the research, you know, for a while, I think a lot of people said there are some loose benefits to drinking. And what we've seen more and more is just that the research is not holding up on that. I think some of the research that talks about some of the ways your life can benefit when you cut back on drinking, one of the first ones that I think is so important is just your mental health. We know that alcohol is a depressant. So often if someone already is prone to having depression, anxiety, or any other behavioral or mood disorder, or even just, you know, we all experience stress. Alcohol is often used as this coping skill or this idea that we can use it to help reduce our stress. The problem, though, is that when we use alcohol to cope, we don't ever actually get to the root of what's causing our stress or what's causing our anxiety. And we can get stuck in the cycle where we just kind of push it off, deal with it later. We never get to the root of it. And over time, our anxiety, our stress gets worse because it just continues to pile up. Our brain always wants to be in homeostasis. So if we are constantly taking a depressant, it's going to really mess with our brain chemicals. And you can even go so far into even look at, there's a lot of interesting research coming out about, you know, the mind-gut connection. Not only does alcohol negatively impact digestion, but it has a 
an impact on our mental health because we know that serotonin is produced in the gut and all of these other things that are connected too. So those are some of the big ones. I also think sleep is one of the biggest ones. And again, it's interesting because all of these physical and mental health benefits tie in together because if you're not sleeping well, that can also negatively impact your mental health and your anxiety or what you're dealing with. We know that alcohol really impacts people's ability to fall asleep, to stay asleep. It has a negative impact on REM cycle sleep, which is the most important type of sleep for really that restoration and repair that happens as well. That really helps us understand some of the things that you might see a short-term benefit from as well when you pull back or stop drinking. Because other things that I talk about in my primary care practice are the effect on blood pressure. And that's not necessarily something that you're going to notice unless you're checking your blood pressure on a regular basis. But these things in terms of how you're feeling, how you're sleeping, how your mood is, you can really check in on those feelings in a short, more short-term time frame than some of the other longer-term effects of alcohol use. Absolutely. So I'd love to ask you, when you're working with someone who wants to re-examine their relationship with alcohol, what are some of the biggest motivating factors that you're discussing? Yeah, I think what's really cool is this whole idea of sober curiosity of mindful drinking is something that's becoming a lot more popular. So it's been really interesting to witness how my conversations with people have just changed over the past few years. Before that happened, I honestly was often the one that was bringing it up or I was kind of the one that was sharing what I thought may be connections between what was going on in their life and how alcohol may be contributing where now I think it's becoming more popular and people are more proactively saying, maybe I should take a break from alcohol. Maybe I would like to do a dry January because I would like to see some of the health benefits. A lot of times people come in and they kind of just say, I'm just looking for a reset. I think it's why January is a very popular month to do it. They feel like December, you know, maybe they weren't taking care of themselves. They were stressed. They weren't sleeping. They weren't eating the way that they normally do. And they're just looking to feel even better than they did without just returning to their routine. And they're looking at taking out alcohol as another way that they can just improve their mental and physical well-being. So that's been, I think, a really cool change to just witness in our culture over the past few years. Speaking of sober curious, for someone who is curious about beginning that journey, How do you recommend they start or what are some of the considerations when someone is thinking about starting or maintaining? I think one of the biggest ones to think about is how is it going to impact your social life? I mean, I think that's one of the biggest things that prevents people from taking a break or cutting back. So it's often something that does maybe need to be looked at and is a good consideration because if your life is very much based around going to social events, or maybe even your career involves networking and going to certain events, or your family has a lot of traditions that involve alcohol, it's going to be important to look at which of those do you want to not attend? Which of those is it going to be important for you to let someone maybe know that you're not drinking? I think one of the coolest things about taking a break from drinking, whether someone continues or just does a dry January is as adults, a lot of us never really learn how to socialize without alcohol. 
Many people start drinking in high school or college. By the time they're an adult, alcohol is just woven into what they do on a day-to-day basis when it comes to social situations. And a lot of times people say, I could never go to a wedding or a party without drinking. But the truth is they also have probably never tried it. So I think one thing that's really cool is once we look at the considerations, we look at, you know, maybe what are some of the coping skills you're going to use or maybe there are certain events you should skip. There's also this level of confidence I think you can get when you do go to an event sober or you don't drink or you get confident in being able to when someone asks you why you're not drinking, say, hey, I'm just not drinking tonight or I'm taking a break from alcohol. There is a lot of freedom and confidence you get in not having to rely on a substance. Because if you think about even the way someone often goes to a bar and they immediately need to order that drink or they want to take the edge off maybe before a a date or something like that, there is just a lot of freedom to not having to do that and to getting to choose throughout the evening, for example, how much they want to drink, when they want to stop, just based on what they want versus coping with the situation. Yeah, that's a really great frame for thinking about it. And I wonder your thoughts on boundary setting. So when you're going into these situations, do you think there's a benefit to having a boundary that you discuss with others when you get there? Is this a sort of a personal thing? Like this is something I'm doing. I don't need to explain it to somebody else or Is it situational where you might say to somebody to help with your accountability while you're there that, you know, I'm trying this dry January, I'm trying to be sober curious, I'm drinking more mindfully, and today is one of the days that I'm just not drinking at all. What kind of boundary setting are you talking about with your clients? I think it definitely depends on the situation. But I think for everyone, a great important thing that I recommend is kind of have your elevator speech of why you're not drinking. Because unfortunately, we do live in a culture where if you don't drink, and you used to, someone is going to inevitably ask you why you're not drinking tonight. And I think sometimes people feel the need to make up a good enough excuse or have a really good reason or even convince that other person that it's okay that they're not drinking. So a really important thing that I tell my clients is If someone says why, I don't recommend lying because, you know, lying obviously is never a good thing. But also there's a funny thing that happens with drinking where if you tell someone, you know, I'm I'm driving tonight so I can't drink or something like that, sometimes people will try to problem solve your reason for not drinking. So if you say, I have to get up early tomorrow to move, people may be like, oh, well, I'll come over. I'll help you move. No problem. Right. And then you're stuck and have to be like, oh, no, actually, it's it's this other thing. But you also don't have to say, I've been questioning my relationship for a long time. I don't know what's going on. Maybe I have a problem. You know, you can just say, I just I don't feel like drinking tonight or I'm doing a dry January or I'm taking a break. And if someone pushes back and says, well, why are you doing that? I really try to remind clients that you don't have to come up with another answer. You can say the same thing multiple times. You can keep saying, yeah, I just I'm just not tonight or I just don't feel like it and change the subject rather than it is not your responsibility to convince the other person that it is okay that you're not drinking. Now, that's really helpful. Do you have other tips in terms of your prep 
plan for when you're going just to sort of set limits for yourself? Yeah. If someone is experimenting with just cutting back and maybe they're not interested in being totally sober, I think a really important tip is that once you get past the point of you know, being physically intoxicated where you are drunk, right, let's say from kind of just being a little bit tipsy, you're going to start to lose control because we know that's when the front part of your brain starts to you lose control over it. You don't have as good of a grasp on being able to plan into the future or think through things. So I really try to prep people that if you are trying to moderate and cut back, I don't recommend going past three drinks or I don't recommend going past a point where the legal limit essentially of alcohol is because at that point you start to lose control and it's really hard to moderate once you're drunk. Sometimes people will tell me my goal is to moderate and I don't want to black out, but I still want to get really drunk. And I'm really honest with them and I say moderation may not be the right fit for you because you're trying to control something that is happening subconsciously at that point where you're going to have a lot more control over if you just decide to have a few drinks. And that's where I think doing some non-alcoholic alternatives, there's really great mocktails that are around nowadays, even switching between them can really give people more time to pause and be mindful and say, do I want to keep drinking? Do I really need that glass of wine or do I just want something to hold because I feel uncomfortable? And if we don't pause and take that time to really be curious. Often things happen so quickly and we don't even have time to make clear decisions. What would you say to someone listening who might feel like, you know, they've been trying dry January or they've been drinking mindfully and it's been shifting some of the relationships that they have with those that they're close to or some of those that are close to? What would you say to them about reevaluating those relationships, reconnecting with those people in this different way? What are some of the things that you talk about with your clients? Yeah, one thing I talk with them about are just their values. I think the great thing and maybe the hard thing about alcohol is that it does allow us sometimes to live a life that doesn't really work for us. We can kind of make maybe a job work that in other circumstances, we wouldn't really be happy with because we use alcohol to just numb out the part of us that isn't sure about it. So my recommendation to someone who's maybe struggling is to really think about your values. What is important to you in life? You know, a common question I think we use when helping someone identify their values is you look five years in the future, you look back at your life, what do you want your life to be about? And I think that if it is really valuing friendships or relationships, it may look like having to do some deeper work on those relationships or on yourself to be able to reconnect or connect with someone on a deeper level if you've maybe just been using alcohol to connect with them. Because that's the great and the hard thing about alcohol is we can tolerate and be friendly with, I think, a lot of people (laughs) when we're intoxicated that if we were sober, we maybe wouldn't like. I use the example sometimes of I really don't like sports, but when I was drinking, I was able to have a lot of fun at sports games. But when I stopped, I had to be like, I really don't like this, you know, without a beer. So it can be scary, but I think it's also really rewarding and fulfilling. And if you care about having deeper relationships, it's going to be worth that work. I think that is such a powerful message. Be 
before I let you go, I like to close all of my episodes with bite-sized action items that listeners can use to create a sustainable change starting today. So what would be a few tips that you'd love to share with our listeners about alcohol consumption, mindful drinking, or being sober curious? I think one of them is sometimes people use dry January kind of like a diet. And they say, I'm just going to quit drinking for 30 days. And then, you know, February 1st, bang, can't wait, back to drinking. And to me, it kind of defeats the point if you're not engaging in that mindfulness piece. So whether you are stopping for 30 days or just cutting back, I actually think the more important part is being really curious, is thinking about what are your habits look like? How much are you drinking? Are there certain situations where you're using alcohol to cope? So that you can really kind of use it as a, a reflective exercise and learn a lot from the process. If you're just doing it as a challenge that has a stop and a start point, you're not going to get the full value out of a damp or a dry January or cutting back. Thank you so much, Amanda, for spending some time with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. We've talked with Amanda White about what it means to consider mindful drinking. We've also talked about how being on this journey can play a small role in improving our health and also change the way we cope with stressful situations. To find out more information about Amanda White and her work, visit amandaewhite.com and therapyforwomencenter.com. We'll have more information about how to connect with Amanda in our show notes. Thank you so much for listening. Please take a moment to follow, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite listening platform. If you'd like to send me an email about topics you're interested in or questions for future guests, please send me a note at webmdpodcast at webmd.net. This is Dr. Neha Bhattuk for the WebMD Health Discovered Podcast.